Father, we just come to you, Lord. We have a place. We have everything, Lord, you gave us. Oh, Father, what can we say? The honor, the privilege to serve you, Lord. If it's three times today, it's our honor to serve you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Now, as we once again go to your word, you have exalted your word above all your name. We too, Lord, exalt your word now. I pray everybody who is listening will be still. We'll put aside everything else and give their whole attention to God so that as I bring the word, the Holy Spirit will take the word and minister to each one of them, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Speak to us now. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. First we'll go to Luke chapter 17. If you heard it in Hindi, you can hear it in English too, but with quite a bit added. Luke 17 and verses 24 to 30. <clears throat> now this is in reply, since we have looked at this portion earlier, this is in reply to the question the Pharisees asked Jesus about his second coming. What will be the sign of your coming? And he answers the disciples. He doesn't answer them. And one of the things he says is, for as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The days of Noah and the coming of Jesus Christ. The days of Lot the coming of the day of the Lord. So let's go to Genesis chapter 6 and read from verse 1 to 8. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. It came to pass when men began to... Yeah, the sons of God took the daughters of men and they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his day shall be one hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
Today is a little digression from the past few nights teaching, but this is important, so I thought uh, we'll go. We're not doing any, we do, you know us by now, if you have been listening to us, we don't do typical Palm Sunday and all, because we should have progressed much beyond that. Now, then that also becomes a ritual. <clears throat> Just everybody is worried, everybody is scared, everybody. Because of what's happening. What's happening is the end here. Definitely. Every second you breathe, the end gets closer. But this is definitely a sign. And Jesus compares his days when he comes, just before he comes. What will it be like? He compares it to two people and their days in the Bible. Two people he compares. One is Noah, one is Lot. And these two people, if you look in their generation, saw judgment. So he compares. So he compares to these two people and he compares to the climate. Meaning I'm not talking about the weather as in climate, but the social climate that was there when this happened. But before we get into it, you will see God had spoken to Noah. And he had asked him to build this ark for the saving of his family and anybody who would have believed and gotten. And you will see after the ark is built, and the ark is built in Genesis chapter 6, 19 and 20. This is connected with how pastors and believers should take these things. God told him, of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after their kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Mark that word will come to you. First thing he says, get them. Second thing he says, they will come to you. And both are true. Both are true because this is also a sign of the way we do our evangelism. We preach. But it's only God who can bring them into his kingdom. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. All we can do is different ways of evangelism. But if you read the book of Acts, you will see God added to their numbers. Okay, So here also he is told, get them. But actually, supernaturally, God moves all the animals and they come to him. And for one purpose, what is that? They are coming to you to be kept alive. The purpose God puts his people into the body of Christ, into the church, is to keep them alive. And it is our duty as servants of God to see that you don't die in your faith, to keep you alive, to be see that you're walking in that road of life. The road to life is very, very narrow. Very few find it. Okay, so it is our duty. That's why the judgment on pastors is much more than the others and the reward of pastors is also more than the others. It's our job. The people God adds to keep them in that road to life, to keep them alive. That's the commission given, to keep them alive. And then we also see in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 6 and 7, after they all come in, something happens there. Noah, 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. When he turned 600, the flood judgment began. And the earth is completing 6,000 years and judgment is very close. So numbers have their own significance. Six days up and the seventh day is the day of rest. Six days, 600 years 
and judgment is very, very, very close. And Noah with his sons, his wife, his sons' wives went into the ark because of the water. They got into the ark. And then if you look at it, you will see verse 10, the mercy of God, the kindness of God. He still kept it. It came to pass after seven days. He kept it open. Not seven years, not seven months, not seven weeks. Number comes down to seven days. Okay, so if you look at this as a sign, the time is coming, coming down. It's getting less and less and less. And then judgment began. The flood began. Like I was trying to use my little Hindi to explain to them. Like we know when, uh, we know from scripture when we read this, that there was a firmament above and a firmament and God removed it and that's when. So before that they did not see rain. The earth did not need rain because there was this covering which kept the sun out. So the rays that came in were in that hot and the earth produced its own dew and everything. So if that's how you read Genesis that rain is, beginning of rain in the Bible is in the, in the flood. Okay, so they are going around their daily activities, like whatever they are doing, all normal, outwardly it looks all normal, and then they heard, they saw the lightning, and they had never seen lightning before. They heard the thunderclap. I'm imagining, okay, okay, give me the benefit of imagining too, okay, I'm not a movie maker or a director or script writer, I'm just a preacher, but I am also can give the license to imagine. There's lightning, there is thunder, and then comes the raindrops, okay, it is absolutely sudden, but nobody can miss it, it flashes across the sky. And that's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 17. And verse 24. For as lightning that flashes out of one part under thunder shines, so will be the Son of Man. He uses that illustration to see that nobody will miss it. Like Sodom and Gomorrah couldn't miss it because they saw fire raining down from sky. So these pictures are there. He says, don't worry. When will it come? He says, don't worry. Nobody will miss it. Don't worry about, oh, will I miss the day of the Lord? He said, don't worry about, nobody will miss it. Everybody will see it and experience it. Your job is to get out before that. Okay? So, if you go further, if you go to the the words uh, that is 25, Luke 17, and words 25, Scripture says, the Son of Man must be suffer many things and he must be rejected by this generation. One of the things he says is that, you know, Son of Man will be rejected, meaning it's okay by this generation. What is he, why is he being, re- actually it is not he so much as who is being rejected, it's his message that is being rejected. And because he and the message are one, he is being rejected. They did not reject his miracles. They didn't, they liked all that part. But the message was the only thing they didn't like. So everywhere you will see they had issues with his doctrine. And even when the apostles are brought, the high priest will question him about them, about their doctrine. Their issue with this doctrine, because the doctrine is what upsets people. Now when somebody comes and says, there is no other way other than me. You go that side, you die. You go this side, die. How do you get to it? It is true. This is the only way. People get upset with doctrine. See, as long as you don't preach the narrow path, everybody is happy with you. Miracles, they are happy. Deliverance, they are happy. All things, Palm Sunday, palms, everything, they are happy. But in the middle of Palm Sunday, you say that if you don't repent, you will die. And this is the only way they get upset. But that's the problem. 
That's the problem. So, if you turn to the parallel words connected with Noah in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, 2 and verse 5, 2 Peter chapter 2, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. So, he was a preacher of righteousness. Jesus was a preacher of righteousness. And all Jesus' true servants are preachers of righteousness. So, he says, Noah is rejected. His message was rejected. He must have gone through a lot of suffering, like mocking and scoffers and all kind of stuff going on. Because Bible says in the last days will come mockers and scoffers. Talking about like in Noah's days, there must have been mockers and scoffers. You know, you know Lord's own sons-in-laws mocked him when he said, tomorrow is judgment day. So you will see in the family, in this immediate family, neighborhood, everywhere, he suffered. So he's saying the son of man will suffer. And face rejection. So God is already warning his servants. This message is not palatable. Most people will reject that message. So be prepared for it. Okay. Everybody won't accept this message. Reason because this is the gospel of the gospel of the kingdom of righteousness. The scepter of his kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. So now we go back and see. Go back. Uh. Genesis chapter 6, we go back there and we look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent. In simple terms, sin had filled the earth. Sin and sinners. The atmosphere was the atmosphere of sin and the people were all enjoyed sin. That is the atmosphere. And he said, that's exactly the way it will be before he comes. Okay. Sin and sinners. Remember Hebrews 12, 3 and 4. He defaced the hostility of sinners and you have to fight sin to the shedding of blood. So it is. It's, it, it, that is what is coming. And we will say, but I don't see it. He says, really? What does sin mean for you? He says, don't you know Romans 14.23? Whatever is not of faith is sin. If you look at that, the church is full of sin. The church of Jesus Christ around the world is full of sin. It's not of faith. Nothing they do is of faith. Nothing they do is of faith. Everything they do is the traditions of man. And so nothing is sanctioned by the word of God. Nothing is sanctioned by the word of God. The apostles and all never practiced any of the things, including what is happening today. They never did. You think the first year after Jesus rose again, they all went with palm leaves? They didn't. They would have got beaten up. They tried any of those stuff. No, these are all traditions of the church. These see people when you're worshipping in spirit and truth, these things don't matter at all. These things don't matter at all. Okay, so much of the thing that is happening within the so-called church is sin in the eyes of God. And the rest of the world is anyway in sin. That is one is blindness, the other is a veil covering and the rest is sin. And all is sin. But worse than that, iniquity, wickedness will arise. That's what's, that is what it is talking about. But something happened in the days of Noah to cause this. So you go back to verse 1 onwards. Something is mentioned over there. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of earth and the daughters were born to them. The sons of God, so the daughters of men, they were beautiful. They took wives for themselves of of all whom they chose. And that's when the Lord says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for his indeed flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. Now if you go back to verse 1 and 2, there is a construction used, which is a very strange construction. The sons of God and the daughters of men. All traditional mainline people, church preachers, you know, 
the holy place category people will immediately go to this is the sons of Seth and the daughters of Cain. That is their explanation. Okay, but it simply doesn't fit the narrative or scripture. Because they always have issues with the demonic realm because they do not have power over the demonic realm. That's why they have issues. They don't know what deliverance is. They do not know what is to cast out demons and they haven't done it and they haven't seen it. So immediately they have to revert to a narrative that fits it with their understanding. That is the problem. Okay, that's the problem. But if you go to the book, if you go to the Bible, three places in the Bible, the same structure is used. One is in, the three. all three are in the book of Job. Job chapter 1, 6, 2, 1 and 38, 7. Job chapter 1, 6. And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Okay, so sons of God meaning the angelic host. And Satan also managed to sneak in through them, meaning one assumption is that they didn't realize it was him. He could cover himself from them, but he could not cover himself from him. Okay? The sons of God is a name used in the Bible, in the Old Covenant, for the fallen, and the angels. Okay? Angels. Then the next one. No, 2-1-2-1. and... 38.7. And there was a day when the sons of God, again, and then the best one is 38.7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. If you look at the previous verse, it's talking about creation. Okay, when creation started. So you have these three usages in the Bible which talks about the sons of God. So sons of God, very clearly, scripture establishes, if you look at it over there, sons of God are angelic beings. So here the sons of God seems to be the fallen angels. Not all of them. Not all of them. A set of them. I don't believe all of them. Not all one third. You can actually look it into scripture and you can prove it in scripture. It is not all of them. One set of them. Okay? One set of them. So that's that's what is happening over here. One set of them, if you look at over there, and now you go back, and we will we will we will also see. Like let's let us um, buttress that point first, okay? If you go to Second Peter chapter two verses four and five, you see that order in which it comes in Peter. For it, if God did not spare the angels who sinned and cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. If you look at that, and the immediate construction after that is Noah. Something happened here, and something happened here, okay? Four and five go together. Four is talking about a set of angels being judged because they sinned, okay? But angels <laughs> did not actually sin. It's much bigger than that. They rebelled. They rebelled, okay? So it's more than that. He cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. Now if you go to Jude, and you will... So this is connected with Noah's time. If you go to Jude 6 and 7, Jude has only one chapter for all those who are hearing. The angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, okay? So it's talking about even when they were cast down, they had a domain. They should stay. Second, relevant. Stay there 
interfere and all, I will allow you, but don't lo- lose, leave your proper domain. But they left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. And immediately verse 7 is Sodom and Gomorrah. So these are the two things Jesus mentions, Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah. And right in the two mentions, references of these two incidents in the new covenant, you have angelic judgments be mentioned. Okay, now if you go back to Genesis chapter 6 again, okay, the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they were beautiful, they took wives for themselves of of all whom they choose, and then verse 3 says, that is when God was grieved, because realm 2 and realm 1 have become one, and realm 3 is very upset, he says, this is not how I intended for them to be the fallen angels and the fallen man have come together. And then the Bible says in verse 4, there were giants on that earth in those days. And the giant in that that term, the actual word is Nephilim. And you will see NIV and all has used the word Nephilim. And the Hebrew word is, if I'm right, Nafa, which means fallen ones. Okay, Nephilim means fallen ones. And if you look at that carefully, look at that construction of chapter verse 4. There were giants on earth in those days and also afterward. When is the next time you hear about Nephilim? It's when those 10 spies, 12 spies come back from the promised land and they will say they were Nephilim. They were Nephilim in those times. Earlier the enemy had come and messed up the whole earth because he's still not sure where is the seed of the woman coming from. Okay, so he messed the entire race up and one family alone was preserved. So God put him aside and destroyed the rest. Now after Abrahamic call comes and he hears the promises and everything and he moves into Canaan and he hears 400 years and all these things. So he realized pinpoints, okay, it is going to come from this area. So there again, there is an angelic intervention and there are Nephilims in this land to stop Abraham's seed. Okay, that's how he's working. He does not have no anything. He's trying to play catch up with God. Okay, so only what God reveals, he knows. But once he's revealed, he's always, because he's trying to preempt his destruction. Preempt his destruction. He knows very well it is his destruction. So that is, that is basically what happened. And uh, Adam and Eve here, they don't understand it. And Eve has brought forth a son. She thinks this is the one that is going to. And so that's why he gets into him and he makes him kill the other fellow. So he's no longer a redeemer. No longer a redeemer. It's not going to happen. So it continues. And then he understands it is Abraham. Okay. He, Abraham, he, I think then there is this issue with Ishmael, this thing. And then finally, when you have, because he's always going by the prophecy, the seed of the woman, seed of the woman, seed of the woman. And when he looks at Jacob, he realizes Israel is coming from, he doesn't understand the concept of Israel church, nothing. He looks at 12 boys and one girl. One girl. Oh, seed of the woman. So that's why at the minute Dina gets steps out, she gets raped. So she's messed up. Okay, he's not under, we are now looking back and understanding all these things, but he doesn't have information ahead of time. He knows only one promise. It is a seed of the woman. Okay, so he's after the seed. That's why it is a mystery hidden from everywhere. So you have over there, and there were giants or Nephilim in and every culture in the world, if you have read every culture, including ours, talks about giants. We call them, of course, Rakshasas, but they are giants. And Scandinavian, Roman, you name it, they all, Egypt, everybody has it. And you actually look at it, this second realm, this second realm, Okay, this second realm, uh, they are gods with small g. 
That's why you have here in our culture also all of them fighting among themselves. All Every culture, the story is the same. They're fighting among themselves. Okay, they're intervening in the affairs of men and all kind of stuff happening over there. Okay, so you will see that everybody carried what we call in English collective unconsciousness. They have carried this thing about giants. So every culture after the Noahic flood when they spread in their all literature, there are always giants. And the Bible shows you where they originated from. Okay, that is the background of this whole story, the demonic, the demonic. And the natural, the demonic, realm two, and the natural, realm one, starts coming together. And the fact of the matter is, when they start coming together, please note, you have very little time left. It's reaching the tipping point. Okay, got And you look at today, the demonic and the natural have come together. Okay, there are a lot of things that is happening behind the scenes, which... We don't realize. Okay. But this is when the demonic things come in. Okay. Now let us look at uh, uh, here at Noah's flood. And then you will see in Sodom and Gomorrah. If you go over there is something interesting. Okay. The demonic part of it in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. <coughs> verse 20. 1820. The, yeah, because, 1820, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. If not, I will know. God already knows, but he says, I want to have proof so that nobody will ever question my act was right. But look at verse 20 again. He says, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great because the sin is very great. What is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah? What is that has come? What is that has come? Okay. Now if you go further to chapter 19, you will see it. Okay. You know, we all know the story. These angels go over there and then you have a Lord trying to find, give them some, no, things doesn't work the way. And look at that, evening, verse 4, 19.4. Okay, before they lay down the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And verse 5, they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Okay. So, what is happening over here is basically the outcry is that no passerby in going through that area is safe. They are sodomized. They are raped. Children are raped. And this has become the lifestyle. It has got to do with the demonic. You see, the devil always inverts anything that God does. Okay, God does. If there was a normal way of sex by God, the devil inverts it. And also, if you know, in all the rituals part in our nation and all, you need to realize the coccyx bone over there, okay, it's shaped like a snake. And that is from where they say the power comes from, the demonic power enters you. And the initiation rights to it is sodomy. 
So sodomy is not just being practiced as sodomy. Sodomy is also practiced in invoking the demonic. Okay? And the young ones, you you heard about the story that came two weeks, uh, no, two, last year, how the Marines in the Australian Army, all the young were initiated and they were raped. They were sodomized. This is what's happening everywhere. Okay, there's a lot of stuff that is happening which is part of occult. Because in the occult, in the occult, all this is part. Sex, orgies, drugs, child sacrifice. This is all to get the power, the demonic. Everything is part of it, the demonic. Because people will go to any extent for power. Any extent for power. Look at a few verses of other stuff, okay? Turn with me to Leviticus 18.21. Okay, Leviticus 18.21. What God is instructing Israel. You shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, your God. All these nations practice child sacrifice. Okay, from the lower this thing, the families down to the king. If somebody wants riches or something, the easy way to do is offer your child, one child as a sacrifice. Okay, and Moloch is supposed to be a huge god of a statue, metal with the fire all lighted up inside and his arm is set and the baby is put into and the Burmese screams and dies. All this, okay. This is how the demonic is. If you come to Deuteronomy 18 verse 10, 18 verse 10. Shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or soothsayer or anyone who interprets omens or a sorcerer. 2 Kings chapter 3 verse 27. Okay. 3.27. This is a war that is how king of Moab and Israel is attacking. Okay. And when he's about to lose, you will see he took his oldest son who would have reigned in his place, offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel. So they departed from him and returned to the on their line. No, the demonic helped them. The, all the, his soldiers got all invigorated and they started fighting back. Okay. Because these are all, all these wars that took in the ancient days and even modern days all. There is an enormous demonic that is involved. These are real stories. Because Israel, what they were not supposed to be, Israel also went that route. They went ra- that route. Okay. Second Chronicles 28 verse 3. He burned incense in the valley of son of Hinnom, burnt his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before that. So the kings and Israel and all are going that route. Second Chronicles, this is how much? 28, 3, 33, 6. Also, he caused his sons to pass through the fire in the valley. You will see, okay? He practiced soothsaying, witchcraft, sorcery, mediums, spirits. He did so much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him into anger. Jeremiah 7 and verse 31. 2 Kings 21, 16 is also there. I'm just giving you a few. The Lord, such says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat. Okay, let's leave that. He's, he's actually mocking them. Ezekiel 16, verse 20 and 21. 
Ezekiel 16. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters whom you bore to me. And these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your acts of halotry a small matter that you have slain my children and offered them up to them by causing them to pass through the fire? He's asking Israel. So you need to understand what is happening when scripture says my spirit will not contend with man forever. The demonic and the, this thing have come together. And there are a lot of things that happens in the background we don't even see. And you just go and check records of police and every city, every country you will see. If you look at the whole world, millions of children and babies disappear and they are never found. Every year. They are never found. And the entire abortion industry is part of it. You are offering your children up. Okay. So you need to realize why the demonic... Okay, it's increasing, 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 increasing. Absolutely. Why will people fight for their right to kill babies? A lot of things are happening over here which we don't even see. Okay, and it is all part of satanic rituals. Satanic rituals. Okay, so prostitution, pedophilia, sodomy, um, child sacrifice. It's all part of a cult. It's all part of a cult. So God will just put give you one line over there. But there is much more to it than we see unless we study scripture. Study scripture. Okay. And when the picture comes to that point, then God will say, it is time for me to intervene. Okay. If you come to Ezekiel chapter 8. You got Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 4 onwards, okay? And there before me was the glory of the God of Israel as in vision I had seen in the plain. He's in the Jebar Valley, okay, far away. But in his vision, he's seeing the temple in Jerusalem. And this is what he sees. He says, son of man, lift your eyes now towards the north. So I lifted my eyes further and there north of the altar gate was the image of jealousy in the entrance. The entrance to God's temple, what they have erected? An idol. Okay. Furthermore, he said, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abomination that the house of Israel commits to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Now turn again. You will see greater abominations. So he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. Look. And he said, Son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. He said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing. Okay. And what does he see? Yeah, verse 10. So I went in and saw, and there were every sort of creeping thing, abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed on all the walls. And there stood before them who? Seventy men of the elders of the house of Israel. And in their midst stood Jahania, son of Shaphan. Each man had a censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. And he said, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols, for they say the Lord does not see as the Lord has forsaken the land. He says, turn again. You will see greater abominations that they are doing. Okay. Yeah. Then he brought me the entrance to the north gate of the house of, and I saw women sitting there mourning for Tammuz. No? Okay. Have you, we finished that? Yeah, Tammuz. 
he says. Do you see this son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. She's taking him. Okay, go to the next verse. Okay, yeah. 16. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house and there at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar about 25 men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord, their faces towards the east, they were worshipping the sun towards the east. So he said, do you think it's all simple? It's all trivial? You think I should stay with these people? I'll go. That's when you will see the glory of God departing from the temple and never comes back until Jesus steps in. And Jesus begins his thing by cleaning out the temple, okay? And this is exactly what the Freemasonic ritual is. So it didn't start like we talk about the Knight Templars or anything. This started many, 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 many centuries ago. And that is that occult part of Jewish religion which is called Kabbalah. Okay? So you have to realize there is demonic all over there. And that is what is happening. And they do that. They have this thing. They have their rituals. They have their chanting. They have their orgies. They have their sacrifices. They have their drugs. They have the demons coming in. And they get their power. And that is how the system is controlled. And ruled by realm 2 and realm 1 together. So what we pray and what we teach is that. Give me a chair. Any chair from there. Yeah. Give me a chair. Okay. Okay, now for a for a difference, think it the other way. This floor, this floor is realm two, the demonic realm. This is realm one, where the human realm. Okay, so imagine I am a king. Okay, I am ruling, but you only see me. You don't see the ones who prop me up from there. Those are the soothsayer, the astrologers, the witchcraft, and all those people. You don't see them. They are hidden. Though we see them in the beginning, now you don't see them. They are all in the background doing all these things, okay? So what you do is that if you want to shake the system, you leave me alone. You cut the legs off. You know what the legs are? The legs are the people they use to connect to that system to get their power. So they are the ones who are called masters and wizards and warlocks. Okay. So you want to shake a system. You leave them alone. You cut them off, they start losing their power. That's how you pray strategically. You leave them alone. You don't worry about the fellow who is sitting over there. But where do they get their power from? And who are the channels that channel the power? That's why every king had his astrologers and magicians and soothsayers and wizards and warlocks all around them. They are into it. That's the one who props him up. So when two kings are fighting, it's one demonic entity and one the demonic entity and they're full. Because the demons are laughing at each other. Because they hate mankind anyway. Because God loves them. So if you like this demon and this one, oh, my demon is helping me and this one is helping me, but they are actually laughing at each other because at the end of the day they know there will be anyway so many dead. And they laugh all the way. Okay. That is why whenever somebody, this thing over, he will take all his idols and take it also, add it to his collection. That's what happened when they tried with the Ark of the Lord and suddenly realized this is too dangerous, send it away. Okay, that is how you are adding to your strength. Okay, this one all. They have no issues with other gods. They have no issues with any god. They'll take that also, put it over there. It's adding to my strength. That is how they do it. Okay, so you need to understand that is why the gospel is very, very hostile to people in the power structure. Very hostile when Christ comes and sees that I am the 
way, the truth, and no man. And that's why the Pharisees are upset because they look at his power. And Nicodemus also sees the power and realizes, okay, boy, this is, this is real. This is real. His doctrine is different. His power is real. And if it goes like this, we will be out without a job. We'll be out without a job. Okay, that is their issue. That is their issue. So we have to understand how the system works. And the system, even what is happening at 9 o'clock tonight, it's all, maybe ignorantly, innocently, they're believing in and doing it, but we see it differently. It's not normal. None of these things are normal because they are invoking. If you can get a one billion people to do that, you're opening a portals into their lives without them even knowing. And foolish Christians will there every time they will come and jump and get into it without even realizing. And that's how the West has gone. The West has gone down. Why is they so hostile to genuine Christianity? It's because these Eastern religions and mysticism all went in over there. And they easily accepted thinking they were tolerant. They were not being tolerant. They were opening portals into the other realm. And they allow it in the churches now. The fact of the matter is that many of their leaders are wolves in sheep's clothing who are part of the other side. They are part of the other side. So they have power. Yes, you can get power and they have incredible talent to speak and you put this together but it is lying science and wonder because the doctrine is taking you to one side or to the other side. And we have that. That's why God says very few will make it. Can you cut through this deception? He says, he says, he says, you think you are not vulnerable? Think you are not vulnerable? He says, unless you know your word and stick to my spirit and walk by faith, you will not make. He says, the days will be so bad at the end that nobody will manage to escape. And if I did not shorten the days for the sake of meaning, even the elect would be deceived if I did not shorten those days. Nobody would survive. Nobody would be survived. And that's what we are seeing in the times of Noah and the times of Lot Jesus has put over there. When you see the demonic becoming rampant, demonic becoming rampant, and it is taking over every facet and the actual believing Christianity is hated and the other Christianity has become very malleable and mixed, mixed with the, with the, the rest of them. We'll see, that's what happened. Mainline Christianity has all gone along with it and they welcome it all, everything. And you know, God says, you have been deceived and you don't even realize it. And this is a sign God is giving to his families to come together. There isn't much time left. I'm not saying next month or one year or two years or three years, but he's saying you will not get a time like this because this is a fulfillment of Malachi's promise before the terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the heart of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children, meaning he will bring reconciliation. And that is why he locked up all the families together, giving us a space, a window of time to make reconciliation. Come out has solid families who have been made one in this. This is a time for the church, the believing church, to make reconciliation with God and with one another, to repent, to confess, to cleanse yourself and come out, emerge. The others will go further, like Revelation 22 says, the one who is wicked, let him go even more wicked, but one who is righteous, let him go even more righteous. So God is giving an incredible window of opportunity to the church. And don't take, don't take it lightly because it doesn't work like we think. 
Okay? So that's why the Bible says, how can we escape? Okay, if you go to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 to 3. He said, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. That's how people just don't walk away. They drift away. Drift away. When we preach so hard against either the law or the world, people get mad. But the problem is they don't realize we are trying to protect you. Because that's what the Bible actually says. You will drift away. You will slowly, slowly drift away. Okay? You will slowly drift away. You have to have very clear cut barriers you have put. You will not go that way or you will not go that way. We looked at it. We taught on the foundations. We look. There is only one way you can go. That is the way of faith. There is a righteousness that is from God apart from the law, which is by faith and unto faith. So that is why hearing is important. Like you hear a message, like today morning's powerful message you hear about Issachar. You heard. So what do you do? You heard about Reuben. What do you do? You heard about Simeon. What do you do? You hear about Issachar. What do you do? You heard. Okay. Now this is not for knowledge. This is look at the core issue about it and see if it applies to me. Okay. If it applies to me, Spirit of God, I am coming and I'm humbling myself. I am repenting of that attitude. And I'm asking you to cleanse me and then fill me that I overcome that area in my life. You heard, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And by faith, we access the grace of God. But before we access the grace of God, there is mercy. So you get mercy and you access grace so that you don't go that route again. This is the life of faith. One day at a time, over and over and over and over. So you are like strengthening your life inside inside and when you are exchanging it you are actually exchanging your life for the life of christ jesus but it's an active thing it's a very very active thing where the spirit of god spirit of god comes so in romans chapter sorry first timothy chapter four and words one okay this is what scripture says one therefore we must give the more First Timothy 4.1. The Spirit expressly said, meaning it is express delivery. Okay, it's not, ordinary, it's not ordinary mail, it is express delivery. Expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. How? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So you see the demonic has entered into the teaching realm also. At every level, physical level, body level they enter, they enter into the teaching level also. The demonic enters. Okay, you need to understand. The demonic will enter into the teaching level. And that's the dangerous part. Okay, dangerous part. There are, like, there are people, like I said, no, there are three, three areas. There is people in the world, let's leave them alone. They are blindfolded, they see nothing. Then there are people who have entered into the realm of the kingdom of God and much of, most of them are caught in the outer courts. And that is where the teaching goes. The devil will give you teaching According to your years. That's what the Bible will say. I think subsequent to this it will say they will gather teachers for them. Itching years. Okay. So depending on what you are itching for. If your flesh is itching for the world, he will give you a teacher like that. If your flesh is itching to go back to the works of the flesh to please the law, he will give you a teacher according to that. He will give you according to that. Okay. 
So demonic has entered into the teaching realm. Not yesterday or today. It's been there right from the beginning. It talks about false apostles and false prophets and false teachers. All. So I always think if there are false apostles, Bible talks about false shepherds, false pastors, pastors, false apostles, false prophets. Then there must be false evangelists also, right? Because Paul says you received a different gospel and a different Christ. Okay, a different Christ. So you have this. This you have to be very, very, very careful about. That's why in Galatians chapter one, chapter three, and verse one, Paul actually uses. If you look at the teaching, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who bewitched you? A bewitchment is a demonic uh, activity. Who bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before your eyes. Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And how did they bewitch them? Took them into something that is carnal? No. Verse 2 says took them to the law. Okay. So going back to the law is a satanic work. Okay. It's a satanic work. And that's why, I mean, people shouldn't get offended about it. But the truth about it, uh, the entire... The entire idea of Islam is logically not tenable. It cannot stand. Because you have law, you have grace. Law has, grace has come and law has been taken away. And you cannot have law coming back again. Because Sharia is law. Sharia is law. What is Sharia? It's law. So law has come, grace has come, law has come. If law has, you have to realize how smart theologians, your theology works out. How can you have grace and law together? How, how do you, how do you justify this law called Islam? Which is basically law, Sharia is law. How do you justify it if grace has come? By one thing you have to do. Only one thing you have to do to justify its existence. Just accept Jesus as a prophet. Accept Jesus as the son of God. Just don't accept that he died on the cross. And they don't accept that. One thing, one thing alone is required. Don't accept that he died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross. In Islam, he didn't die on the cross. If he didn't die on the cross, then atonement didn't plague. If atonement didn't plague, there is no grace coming in. So it is just law continuing. And what do the Jews do? Jews accept that he died on the cross, but he is not the son of God. He is not the son of God. Okay. Because there are people who are always thinking everywhere. So you have to have very, very, very valid theological argument to negate grace. And grace is the way of God. Because in, when it comes to grace, no man can boast. It is solely the work of God from the beginning till the end. Keep your eyes on Christ Jesus who is the author and the perfecter, the finisher of your faith. He's the author, he's the finisher. So how does he see everything? Because through faith you access grace, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Son and the Spirit is the one who is doing the entire work in your life. What is your job? To hear, surrender and obey. But the work is done by them. So no man will boast. No man will boast. It's like you drive your car and you you drive your car and you reach this place. The car doesn't stand up and say, do you know what a great car I am? But you are the driver and it's a petrol that ran it. In the same way, the driver is Jesus and the, the power is the Holy Spirit. We have nothing to say. Nothing to say. That's the walk of faith. So there is nothing for the flesh in it. If it is the law, the flesh like it. The works of the law. I did this, 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 I did this. 
But the flesh has nothing in the law, under the law. I mean, if you take grace, the flesh has nothing. And if you go on to the other side, you are not allowed to go into the world, the flesh again has nothing. So flesh is like, you, you don't allow it to go here, or you don't allow it to go there. And you know the flesh, flesh gets really, really, really mad. And who are the mad people? The mad people are all in the outer courts, mostly. And then the smaller set of mad people are in the holy place because you have to tell them, your teaching also doesn't make any difference. It's a work of grace. All this legal framework, all the law, all these things mean nothing to God. It's all finished with Christ. Finished with Christ. So actually you look at outer courts and holy holy place is taken out by God. The whole thing is, that is why God says in the last days, I will rebuild the broken down tabernacle of David. In David's tabernacle, there is nothing. It's just the ark. One tent and the ark. There is no labor there. No, nothing is there. Everything is at Shiloh. Is that all you want to go to Shiloh? You go over there. But I am here. I am here. I am not there. I am here. This is my place. I am here. Because they were still under the law. They still kept offering. But David's tent is a new covenant model. There is nothing there except God and man. So we don't realize this, we don't understand this, then we will see how, how. That is what Jude 1, 4 is talking actually about, 4 and 5 will talk about. It will tell you very clearly the, the usage. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lividness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So what did they do? They took grace. They turned it to something else. Instead of using it as something that empowers you to overcome, they turned it to as the license to go the other way. And much of not not the solid grace teachers, but many of the other grace, modern grace teachers, take you that route. So God gives you the examples in the Bible. He says, do you see this? Do you look at the sign? This is the warning. And the people of the law, what they do? They will take you on to the other side. Now the interesting part is that the law doesn't give you any hope. The law doesn't give you any hope. And if you look at all the law teachers, they are preparing the people for tribulation and not for rapture. They are preparing the people for tribulation. 100,000 young people have to get ready to be martyrs during that time. That's all the teaching that's going on. You know why? The law gives you no hope. Law gives you no hope. But grace gives you hope. In grace, there is always there is hope. Isn't there hope? In Revelation 3, 8 and 10. Luke 21, 36, Mark 13, 13. Yeah, Revelation 3. I know your works. We saw this, right, yesterday. I saw you. I know your works. See, I have said before you an open door. What is this open door? Usual, normal interpretation is this open door. Is it open door of evangelism? No one can shut it. For you have very little strength. I have kept my word. I have not denied my name. But if you come to verse 10, 
If you put 10 and 8 together, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So, my reading is, yes, evangelism, but more than that, because you had very little strength, you kept my name, you have walked by faith by obeying my word, and not only it is not a one day, two day, but you learned and you learned and you learned and learned until it became your life. So the life of Christ has been transferred, you persevered, my command to persevere. So to persevere is a command, it's not an option. It's a command, he who perseveres till the end. Where is this command given? It is given in Luke and Mark 13, 13. Persevere. I will keep you from the hour of trial. Meaning he says, I will leave that door open for you. You can escape. And if you come to, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And Luke 21, 36. 21, 36. We have to keep an eye on the time. Yeah. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come. So you have to be counted worthy to escape all these things. So if you put scripture all together, how can I be counted worthy in the eyes of God to escape all these things if I am part of that generation that is at the end time? Now we will use this problem. The issue over here is, let me go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, oh, um, Matthew 24, yeah, go to Matthew 24, got it? Where he talks about, you know, not, nobody would escape if God hadn't shortened. 13, okay. No, not that, not that. 22, 21-22, 21-22. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, and nor ever shall be. Wait a second over there, what are you talking about? You know what Nero and all did? What the world believers have been going down till today, North Korea, China, all these places, the tribulation they have gone through. The Bible is saying that from the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So what is it talking about? What is that will happen in the last days if God did not directly intervene? Nobody will be saved. It is a complete, total takeover of the human mind by the demonic that you cannot be saved. It's not physical torture and all. The Middle Ages, what? You don't, we don't even know what torture is. The way they used to torture on the racks and when they turn you slowly, every bone in your body is broken to make you recant Christ. That's how they used to do little by little by the torture chambers of the old ages and everywhere, even till today. So it's not talking about that. It is talking about something that will happen to you where your mind, it will happen. The demonic takes over. Absolutely. And if God did not stop it, the humans and the demonic, and that's why everybody is wondering, what is this? What is that they know that we don't know of? What is happening? You know? Soon they will come up with what? Vaccination. Universal mandatory vaccination. They may come up with, we don't know what they're coming up with. 
Okay, so that is why we have to look at it and we have to realize and say, okay, because we have to make these decisions and all right now, know the truth, make our stand and be very, 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 very strong. Yeah? Okay, strong. So get this idea. Yes. Uh, Peter, can you come? It's 8.55. Because 9 o'clock, we will pray. We'll first worship for 5 minutes, 6 minutes. Okay, because 9 o'clock we are supposed to light. Instead, we will light we are not going to do all that, Jugad. We will do the real light. Jesus is the light of the world. If it is to ward of evil and death, Jesus is the only one who has power over life and death. Okay, so we shall sing. Be prepared, power may go, okay? They may pull it off. Battery, you know? Yeah, compete. All of you are watching. We will we will sing. Worship Worship in your homes together because 9 o'clock is supposed to be something else. We are approaching 9. So we will worship now and that after 9 we will pray and at 9, 9 we will stop and go back to the word. So you are at your homes. Worship along with us. And heavenly armor we enter the land battle belongs to the Lord. The weapon that's fashioned against us shall stand. The battle belongs to the heavenly In heavenly armor we enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. The weapon that's fashioned against us shall stand. The battle belongs to the Lord with glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the of darkness comes in like a flood the battle belongs to the Lord oh he raised up a sever the power of his blood oh the battle belongs to the Lord and the power of darkness and the power of darkness comes in like a flood the battle belongs to the Lord he raised up a standard, the power of his blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses and heart do not fear, the battle belongs to the Lord. Oh, take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. Oh, the battle belongs to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory. 
hands ran to the Lord. We sing glory, all power and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses and hard, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Oh, take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. When your enemy presses and when your enemy presses and hard, do not fear. Oh, the battle belongs to the Lord. Oh, take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, strength to the Lord. We sing glory. Our Lord. We stand as a group of Elijah's Lord in here, in our homes, wherever we are gathered, in India especially. We take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We bind every power of darkness operating over this nation. We bind you. You will not move. You will not be fed. You will not be activated. You will be still. There is only one light, and it is Christ Jesus. He is the light of the world, and His church on earth is the light of this world. The rest of it is darkness, plain darkness. We bind you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and we command every demonic entity operating over this land, the principality over this land, leave the people. Let the blindfolds fall off the eyes of this people. Let there be a great deliverance in this land. The very hour they chose to bring bondage, let this hour be the hour of deliverance for this nation. Let this be the hour of deliverance for this nation. Let the word of God go forth from a thousand servants of His Millions of them around this land. Let it penetrate the darkness in the hearts of people. The minds of people. Let it go forth like flaming arrows sent from the bower of that man of war. That is Christ himself. Let it go forth. Let it go forth. Let blindfolds fall in Jesus name. Let the light go forth. The gospel, the light of the gospel, for your word says, the ruler of this world has blinded the eyes of this people from the light of the gospel. Let the blindfolds fall now. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we release this nation. We stand in the gap and we stand and we ask forgiveness for this land. Our forefathers have sinned. We have sinned. And Lord, have mercy, 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 mercy over this land, O oh Lord. Let there be mercy, Father, we pray, over this land. 
pour out, pour out mercy upon this land. Give this country one more chance, O Lord. One more chance, O Lord. All these 2,000 years, they have rejected the gospel and they have rejected their king, O Lord. But today, this Palm Sunday, Lord, let it be a true Palm Sunday for India, Lord. Let people just lay down their lives, their hearts, surrender their wills for the Prince of Glory to come in, Father. This is our prayer for India, Lord. Let there be light in this land. Let there be healing in this land. Let this virus pass over, Lord. Let this virus pass over your people, Father. All your people who are called by your name, let it pass over them. Let it pass over their homes. Let it pass over. Let it pass over. Let it pass over, Lord. Let it pass. This is the Passover season, Lord. Let it pass over your people. Make a distinction in this land between your people and the others, O Lord. Let it pass over your people, O God. Oh, Father, we pray for the dead churches, O Lord. They have a name, but they are dead. And I pray life will come into those churches, O Lord. They will throw their idols away, O Lord. They will throw their rituals away, Lord. They will look up to you, O Father. And they will experience their deliverance, O Father. I pray you set the people caught in those churches free, Father. That they might know there is no other name but the name of Jesus. From everlasting to everlasting, He is on the throne. He is Jehovah. The man of war, the captain of the host. Arise, O God, and your enemies will scatter. Arise, O God, and your enemies will scatter. Arise, O God, let your enemies scatter. Let there be deliverance in this land. Let there be liberty in this land. Let there be freedom in this land, O Lord, for people to hear, to believe. Oh God, let the governments loose the shackles that the word of God may go forth. Let the powers of darkness be bound that people will hear and they will believe. Let there be liberty at both realms, O oh Lord. Oh Father, you can do it, O oh Lord. Elijah stood alone on Mount Carmel and he bound the powers of darkness. From morning till evening they could do nothing, O oh God. Oh Father, we pray today the fire of God of Elijah fall upon this land, O oh Lord. Fall upon your people, O oh Lord. That there would be true repentance, O oh Lord. People will turn from their wicked ways. People will turn from their brazen ways of sin, Lord, and idolatry and turn to the living God, O oh Master. That sin would be dealt a death blow in the lives of your people tonight, O oh God. It will be dealt a death blow, O oh Father. People will arise. Your children will arise, O oh Lord. They will come out their closets in a different way, Lord. They will arise sanctified, O oh Lord. They will arise Filled by the Holy Spirit, O oh Lord. Arise, O oh God. Arise, O oh God, in the lives of your people. Your word says, when darkness covers the earth, your light will rise upon your children, Lord. After this lockdown, when your children arise, come out, O oh Lord. People will see the difference, O oh Lord. They will come filled with your Holy Spirit. They will come filled with your glory. It will shine forth the way your children walk, O oh Lord. They will be people set free, Lord. When people are dying, O oh Father, your word says, O oh Lord, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing under his wings.
kings and your people shall go forth as calves released from their stalls, O Lord. Oh, we pray for the church, your church everywhere in the world, O Lord. We pray for them, Lord. We pray, Lord, let the healing rest upon them, Lord. Let the healing rest upon them, Lord. We pray for President Trump, Lord. We pray for him, Lord. He's been put there for a time and a season like this, O Lord. He's standing there practically all alone, O God. But let him know he's not alone. Let him humble himself before thee. Let him know the God of Israel will hold him up with his right hand. And no weapon that is formed against him will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against him in judgment, we condemn it in Jesus' name. I know tonight they are planning wicked things. The rituals will happen tonight. They will gather in their secret places. But every warlock will die tonight. Every warlock who goes there to bring evil upon evil will die tonight. Every warlock will die. Every wizard will die. Every witch will die. Your time is up. If you do not repent in the next few hours, you will die. If you go to those places, you will die. The God of Elijah, let fire consume these places and the workers of wickedness who have joined their hands and their souls with the demonic realm of God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Cover your children. Protect your children. Keep your children safe, O Lord. They have come into the ark. They have come into the ark. They have come into Christ Jesus. Spirit of God, keep them alive, Lord. Let none perish. Let none fall away. Let none lose their salvation. Keep them close. Keep them safe, Father. Thank you, thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. We just thank you, Father. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We lift Jesus up. We lift Jesus up. We lift Jesus up. We lift Jesus up. We lift him up. The name above every other name. The name above every other name. The name above every other name. We lift him up. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now be seated. <clears throat> Their nine minutes, minutes are up, but the rest and the whole time belongs to our God. And as he says in the book of Revelation, a time will come when there is no time. We turn now to John chapter 11, verse 38 to 44. John 11, verse 38 to 34. <clears throat> This is Jesus at Lazarus' tomb. He's been dead four days. Been dead four days. Jesus was dead only for three days. Lazarus was dead for four days. Lazarus is a type of humanity. For 4,000 years when Adam sinned, man was dead. So on the fourth day when Jesus comes and he rises, Mankind will have life again in him and through him. That's why he was allowed to die and stay there for four days. After 4,000 years is when the Son of God steps into our world. So Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Let's also thank God. Father, we believe you have heard us. The powers of darkness have been rolled back and your church is safe, Father. We believe, Lord. We believe. And verse 42. I know that you always hear me, because, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he said this, said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was wrapped with a cloth, and he said to them, loose him and let him go. Lazarus was raised from the power of death. Likewise, so has everyone who has believed in Christ Jesus. He said, even if you die, you will live. Yet he is bound. He is bound with grave clothes. He had eyes wide open, but he could not see. His hands and feet had regained their strength, but he could not move. He could not move. This is what the Bible talks about. Freedom without liberty. Is he free from the power of death? Yes. Does he have the liberty to walk? No. Okay. Liberty is something which you have to fight for. You have to fight for liberty. You have to fight for Jesus won't do that. He says, you do it. I'll help you, but you do it. The difference between Lazarus and the difference between Jesus John chapter 20, verse 6 and 7. Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths but folded together in a place by itself. The difference between Lazarus and Jesus. Lazarus is free from the power of death, still bound. But Jesus was never bound. He's never bound was never bound. So when he rose from the dead, he rose up as he always was, free. And you will see what had been bound around his face has been taken and put out. Meaning, I see as I always saw. My eyes are not blinded. It was never was. That's the difference. And it is to this we are called and not that. We are called to this. To this liberty we are called. Okay, so the Bible talks about liberty in First Corinthians chapter three and verse seventeen. It talks about liberty. There's only one person. Three seventeen. Second Corinthians three seventeen. Bible talks about how live. the Lord is the Spirit, who raised Jesus up from the dead, the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord is the Spirit, who gives a man a man who has come into salvation. Liberty is the Spirit of God. If He is the Lord of your life, Lord of your situation, in your situation, you will always have liberty. You will always have liberty. Do you want freedom without liberty or you want liberty without freedom? Certain cases you have liberty but no freedom. No freedom. You have liberty. People all around the world, what do they have? They have freedom. But they have no liberty. They have no liberty. That's why you have something which is called a hangover. You have guilt. You have remorse. And all these 
extremely successful so-called people commit suicide. They just die like that. And you realize, what happened? I thought the lifestyle, if was, you were selling it to us, has freedom, right? Yes, you had freedom to do what you wanted, but you never had liberty in your soul, in your spirit. Paul and Silas were tied, legs put in stock, thrown into the prison. They lost their freedom, but they did not lose their liberty. They were praising God there. Okay, so please remember, even if you lose your freedom, you don't lose your liberty. Don't lose your liberty. Your liberty is given by the Spirit of God. That's what Jesus is telling the Roman Empire. He's saying, you can take my freedom. You cannot take my liberty. I will still use my lips to bless my God and bless my people. I will not curse. When I curse, I have lost my liberty. Though I'm exercising freedom, I've lost my liberty. I lost my liberty. So please understand what liberty is. Romans chapter 8 and verse 13 and 14. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Emphatic. But if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's talking about liberty. One set of people have freedom without liberty. The other set of people, he will say, you will have liberty even if you don't have freedom. That's all the daily readings you get from in the morning. Unbelievable situations in the underground churches, how people have liberty to worship. You can put them in any situation. They still worship. That's the liberty. Okay. First, we have to experience that liberty. You see, I'll tell you a secret. <clears throat> Why do Christians love the world? I'm not talking about the people. Why do Christians love the world, like the world, the things of the world, the partying and the shopping and all? It's because they really haven't experienced a liberty in their spirit. If you really, really, really experience a liberty in the spirit, then your body becomes a bondage. You'll be groaning to escape this body because the other body gives you the liberty and the freedom that goes with it. That's why you see all the same. They are just groaning to get out. We don't groan to get out because we don't have the liberty. We are not enjoying the. That's what Jesus says. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is within his righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. If that is inside, then this body suddenly becomes a foreign element. You don't like this body. You only see it as a temporary structure called a tent. So Pope Peter will say, I'm waiting to get my departure. They are all waiting. Okay, and the this. The real reason is people have not experienced the liberty of the spirit. The more you experience the liberty in the spirit, the more you look at this body as a headache. Headache. You just want to go because in that new body, you have liberty and freedom. The freedom that goes with this liberty. Okay. So, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. We know it so well. In this body is that spiritual part of that body which is flesh. The other body, there is no flesh. Okay, so this body is the enemy of the spirit. The flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to one another. That's one of the first things you and I have to understand is that this body and my spirit are contrary to each other. They are contrary to each other. This body... The flesh that dwells in that body, that spiritual part, activated the demonic realm and man fell. 
So you do not do the things that you wish. They are contrary. They are contrary. And God has already passed the death sentence on my body. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 19 and section B, second part of it. God has already passed the death sentence on my body. This is what he said. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So it's already, already declared judgment on this body. You can do whatever you want, he says. Go to the, spend all your money on your body. Ultimately, it is dust. And it will be dust. Not only that, along with that, he told something else also. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. And the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than all the beasts. On your belly you shall go. And he said, You shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now serpents don't eat dust. So what was God meaning? He says, Your fodder shall be the flesh of man. That is what you will feed on. Okay? So we need to understand this flesh is in so much enmity with the spirit because this fellow is activated by that fellow. This fellow is activated by that fellow. So when Jesus comes to the picture in John chapter 14 and verse 30, oh, 3030. Does my 30 sound always like 13? When you consistently make it, then I must be asking, am I sounding? Okay. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. Nothing. Why? Because in his flesh, not in his body, in his flesh, that spiritual part of that body, he is completely dead. Okay. Any part of the flesh and the body, they go together. You submit to the devil, he will take it happily, even if it's a nail. That's how people submit their nails, their ears, their eyes, their eyebrows, their face, their hair. They submit. They give. That's where Romans 6 and verse 13 and 14 is very clear about it. Do not present your members as instruments of righteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from dead, your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion. How does sin come, have dominion over you? It has dominion over you by whatever members of your body you submit to the devil. And the whole world is a body shop. So the whole world is a body shop. This. From this on to 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 this everywhere you see. They've already given it over. And they don't realize they think these things are innocent. You don't realize when you get into that, you will never really hear the way you should hear, or you don't hear at all. And the same thing is that then you cannot be spoken to because you get very angry when you are spoken because you already have the flesh which is anyway hostile to the de- to the spirit. On top of that, you got somebody else also who is hostile to the devil, attached to you. 
So, if you put on anything, let it be simple. Pray over it. Plead the blood of Jesus. Hear from the Spirit of God. This has got nothing to do. Didn't come from an occult line. That is going to take my hearing away, my sight away, my spiritual sight away, my spiritual appetites for God away, all these things. That is why scripture talks about receive with thanksgiving. A lot of stuff we don't need at all. Need at all. Understand. If you give your thought, your mind, the flesh will grab it. Your head, the flesh will grab it. Anything, anything, the flesh and the demonic will take over. That's why these hardline, we call them hardline, they are normal actually. You know the Pentecostals, how simple they are? Why do you think they walk like that? And we look at them and say radical. They are very, very clear. We will not give any parts of our bodies over to the devils. At least in the body level, they are very, very clear. Mind, I don't know. But that is between them and God. But they are very, very clear about it. Very clear about it. They have understood these concepts that the world belongs to somebody else. The whole system in the world is to trap you, to take you down. And if you are saved to see that you never overcome, so you will end up as a bichare over there also. So they have all these agendas over there and these people have been taught very well and they follow it. Okay, so that is why God says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does the new grace teach you? The new grace teaches you that God understands. You can do all, this you have worship leaders with tattoos all over, worship leading girls with nose rings and hair and lip rings and all. of supposedly worship, and devil is having a gala time in church. Not even realizing the fundamentals of what truth is and how it works. That's why God says, offer your body. Now, if you had all these things before you came to Christ, then God has God has mercy. Cover yourself under the blood. God will forgive you. Because all these tattoos are entry points for demons. Because how do you do that? They use pins. That is why Chinese medicine, we always say, don't do it. Anything as far as possible, avoid any piercing. Because piercing gives an entry point to the enemy. Entry point. Avoid all those things as far as possible. Avoid those things. Because that's how they get in. They get in. Avoid. Ask God. Avoid those things. We don't need it. And if you had this before you came to Christ, ask God. Cast them out if they are in your flesh. Let them go. Let people call you radical and all. It does not matter. Ultimately, your life is lived before God. And you need to have the liberty in your spirit. And the more you get out of these things, you'll realize liberty increases. Liberty increases. Now coming to the next side, Galatians 5.24. For those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion. So what is flesh? Flesh is anything that is not empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. If you ask, Pastor, I have a body, but how do I, how do I identify flesh? Anything that is not empowered by the Holy Spirit is flesh. No. Do you remember? After Dina's mess and all, God tells Jacob, get up, move to Bethel. Before they go to Bethel, which symbolically means the house of God, what does he tell his sons? All your idols, take up your earrings, everything, and he takes it all and buries it under the tree. Then they are able to go to a place where they are able to worship. 
Okay, because these are all signs, because it's all part with pagan religions. All part of, they carried and brought all this from Egypt. All the surrounding nations were like that. Okay, but God doesn't force anything. But he says, if you want to move to another level with me, you will have to get rid of me. Okay, don't expect that you are in Sishem and you want to go to Bethel and you're going to carry all the junk from Sishem to Bethel and expect me to meet at Bethel. He says, that does not happen. You will just make Bethel Sishem. That's all. That's all. Okay. Nothing is going to happen. At every level you move with God, there will be a lot of junk. The Holy Spirit will say, get rid of. Get rid of. These are weights. Weights. Hebrews 12.1 talks about weights. These are weights. Okay. And if you don't get rid of a weight, when the Holy Spirit says, it will become sin. Becomes entry points. Okay. So, never ever think flesh will ever compromise. It will never. It is corrupt to the core. That is why there is no salvation for this body. Why do you? Your soul is being saved. Your spirit is from God. But absolutely no salvation from for the body. The death sentence that God passed on in, Gen- in Genesis chapter 3 to what happened is actually being reflected by the body. Everybody's body is dying. If you eat, you will die. Where do you see it? In your body. And there is no redemption for this body. That's why you will get a new body. But much of our time and money and energy, resources, all go into taking care of this body. Even when it comes to eating. To this body. It's all about this body. And what has God already talked of the body? Dust unto dust, you are. Okay. Honestly think about it, no? Think about it. If somebody were to told, buy one tola of gold, no, 10 grams of gold, it's 50,000 rupees or whatever, I have no clue. Let's say 10 grams, 50,000 rupees. Why don't you buy it? It's a real good investment. But after two months, it will all become dust. Will you buy it? But that's exactly what your body is. All your lifelong investments in your body ultimately is zilch dust. But he says if you invest in your soul, you're storing up treasures in heaven. Because your soul, which is by faith, is more precious than gold. And salvation is the salvation of your soul. That's how we have to look at life very, 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 very differently. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Those, yeah, we read that, right? Those who are Christ have crucified. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Morning, Pastor, they explain circumcision. Circumcision is what? A truth of the heart, right? But, but you also have to say, how, see, for everything there is a cause and an effect. And always we know stuff by effect, right? If effect is not there, we wouldn't know. Now I am standing there and standing happily and this thing and preaching and all is because you know. And I'm not telling you now. Okay. <clears throat> you know, we talked about, you know, if you have fever and you take a Panadol, how do you know it worked? By the effect. You don't know the chemical combination and all this stuff. No? So how do you know your heart is circumcised? Deuteronomy 80, 30 verse 6. How do you know? 
The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your that you may. Yeah, how do you know your heart is circumcised or being circumcised more and more? You start falling in love with God more and more. That is the effect. Otherwise, it's just, it's not working. It's not working. There is a cause and there is an effect. What is the effect? You pray and you ask, the Holy Spirit says, and you are doing all those things which is connected with crucifying your flesh and all. That is okay. You can still end up as a Pharisee. It's a Pharisee. And he didn't love God at all. But if you look at it outwardly, boy, he was sanctified. How do you know the Holy Spirit is circumcising your heart by the effect it has on your life? You actually love God. You actually love God. And you have a real conversations with God. Like you have with your wife or your husband. I love you. Or more with God. I love you. And I like spending time with you. You don't bore me. I hope I'm not boring you. But you don't bore me. You don't bore me. I mean, you like to spend time with the one you love. Right? Love is equal to time. That's where all the wives complain. It's equal to time. Right? When David is making all these statements... It is statements of love, a genuine love. One day in the courts of the Lord, I was very glad. This is a king. He has pleasures evermore all around him, if he wants. But he says, no, I would prefer to spend time with you. Okay. So God is talking about the only thing that matters. We are the circumcision by the Spirit. Now let me tell you, we put no confidence in the flesh. That's Philippians 3.3. Let me tell you. Flesh is harder, personally, and I know it is true. Flesh is harder to deal than the devil. I've cast out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of demons from different people. But I still struggle to deal with my flesh. You can't bind your flesh. It does not work. It's simply, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I bind my flesh. The flesh will sit there and laugh. What are you talking about? Go eat something. It's simply all the things that work with the demonic realm does not work with the flesh. It simply does not work with the flesh. For the flesh, only one medicine. And it is not telemedicine. It is called crucifixion. That's what he says. Crucify. The only thing you can do to your flesh is crucify. Crucify. For those who are Christ have crucified. Put as a statement at the end of us, but they are constantly crucifying. Crucifying. There is no other way. Please, brethren, there is no other way. What is the solution? We need a solution, right? Our biggest enemy is not the world, not Satan. Jesus didn't go around binding Satan because he was attacking. He just left him alone. He wasn't even bothered about the world. The only thing he did was he crucified his flesh every day. He wasn't bothered about the world. He was bothered about the demons. He just did his work. And when the devil came, I mean, we get chotamata demons and all come. We don't get principalities and all after us. But to Jesus, the devil himself came. And he just couldn't find anything. Absolutely. Looking for every chink in an armor in his flesh, nothing. Absolutely. Crucified flesh. Walking every day. Crucified flesh. Absolutely. 
Okay. Because we need the solution. The first solution is this, Romans 8, 12 and 13. We saw that. Romans 8, 12 and 13. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you love, live according to the flesh, you will die. But, that's the first thing. But, if by the Spirit you put to death the deed, so you will not be able to put to death the flesh without the Spirit. That's the problem with the law. You go under the law, the Spirit stands away. He will not help you again. The law stands alone. And the Spirit stands alone. You go under the law, the Spirit moves away. Therefore, the law only will awakening more sin and more condemnation. Law is like never satisfied with your performance. But the spirit is something else altogether. If by the spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, may your spirit will show and then you have to ask the spirit, I need help. I need help. And the spirit will lead you to a promise. Remember Second Peter chapter 1, all that. He has given this incredibly precious promises through which you partake of his divine nature and you escape the corruption that is in the world. This is all practical. These are all practical, right? That is how Jesus is doing. If you are the son of God, he says, hey, it's written. Immediately the divine power of God comes over there and he resists the devil and he's gone. Okay, the temptation is gone. The flesh is there, but the devil is not able to tempt through the flesh. So the flesh is dead in that area. The flesh, the flesh, the world, the devil, the law, they're all made for each other. Spirit stands separate. Okay. So during these 21 days, 15, 16 days are already over. Do not make provision for the flesh. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill. We always make provision for the flesh. It's like, Lockdown is coming. Everybody bought rations and kept. But people do make provisions for the flesh. And you have to make this choice. Not It's like having a Hagar in your house. On the way from Egypt, they got this made. And Hagar is there. That is provision. Provision in the flesh. Okay. And you created Ishmael. So you have to look. You have to look what you have. Because each one flesh is different. Each one flesh is different. You have to look at your flesh. You have to look at what is your major struggle in the flesh and to see what is the provision you always have for it. The scripture says don't make provision. These are all very practical things. The spirit will show you and to throw it away, get rid of it, the spirit will empower you also. But action is yours. Action is yours. Do not make provision for the flesh. And the flesh. It's a day-to-day denial. It's not one day or two days, but the more you practice, the stronger your spirit gets, the soul gets, and the body. And he tells you in First Corinthians nine twenty-seven, Paul will tell you how he fought this fight every day. I discipline my body, bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be. Disqualify. You know how he brought his body to subjection? One of the primary ways you subject is fasting. 
Because the minute you start fasting, you have uh, cut off the supply source to the uh, body. Right now, let us honestly be, let's be, we are 16 days over here. Don't you feel incredible liberty? Because we are cut away from everybody. Everybody. We are living in a different world. Like there's nothing called temptation even coming, except tiredness and sleeping. There's nothing even coming anywhere near. Because we've been practically fasting a meal, and we've been cut away from the world, set apart with God, just doing His work, praying, studying, preaching. Nothing seems to be affecting us. The coronavirus is not even a problem for us at all. For the rest of the world, it's not affecting us at all. Because there's no room for temptation. Because the flesh is almost dead. The thing we feel in the body is tiredness. Tiredness. But fasting, normal situations, you have to accept fasting as a life discipline. Because fasting is something the body hates. It hates First physical fasting and then fasting in the areas that you struggle. Ephesians 4.22. 4.22. What does scripture say? Put off. Put off. See, these are all actions that are demanded from us. You have to put off. Okay. And next we will say, put on. You have to put off. And you have to put on. Be renewed in the spirit. You have to learn to put off stuff. You have to put on that new man. You have to put off. A lot of people do put off. But they don't put on. Put on. And little later they will go back to what they put off. They have to replace that vacuum in your life with something else. You have to replace it. You can't leave it empty. Whatever it is. Some of the things you put off with the spirit shows you maybe actually neutral. Neutral. They're not bad in itself. They're not bad in itself. Like somebody keeps, somebody said, no, the worst enemy of excellence is good. It's not bad. It's never bad. Because the good, he will never, fellow will never go to bad. But the problem is hold on to the good when excellence is waiting for you. You know? Excellence is waiting for you. That's that's uh, whatever Hobson's choice Abraham has to make. There's Ishmael, there is Isaac. You want Isaac to grow? Yes. Get rid of Ishmael. But he's good, yes. But that's the one. Excellent. It's my son, yep. But that's God's son. You have to choose. You have to choose. No. That's your son, that's God's son. Okay, you have to choose. And people don't realize, people will think that, oh, uh, I have to look around for all the bad things in life before God says, no, some of the good things are your biggest blocks. Like Pastor Vijay was talking about past few days, he said. No. What was his biggest block in moving forward with God? Reading books about the Bible written by other people. Is that bad? No, I encourage all the people in the church to read godly Mentors, people who have written, because they are like the cloud of witnesses, but not at the cost of reading your Bible. So what happened? The good kept him from the excellent. Good kept him from the excellent. Now, 
if he hadn't switched over to the Bible in the last few months, when this came in, he would have struggled. They preach repeatedly, day after day after day after, he would have struggled. Which book do you go to? Because you skipped the book. The book. That's how it happens. Okay. Now, are you, is, can you say anything that he's reading is bad? No, they're all good. But the problem, the good is keeping you from the excellent. A lot of people don't realize, Lord, what am I doing? That I am not able to go further with you in my experience, my relationship with you. When I look, I'm still where I was five years ago. But I look at, I have taken all the evil out. God said, you are not allowing me to deal with the good in your life. I told you, will has three levels. The good, the pleasing, and the perfect. And you're holding on to the good. He says, sometimes the good becomes the block. And that's what God is talking about. You have to put off and put on. Put on. The new man. Continuously put off the old man. Put on the new man. The new man is the image of Christ Jesus. Which was created according to God. In righteousness and in holiness. Put on. And this is like. Very deep verses. But. Understand fundamental principles. If you need to move on. Colossians chapter 3. One onwards. If you, if you were raised with Christ, it's a question. Do you believe you are raised with Christ Jesus? Your confessions are here, but do you really believe? Then change the seat of your affections. Seat of your affections. Let us think about this. Okay, let us think about Peter. Okay? Peter is working in, and is planning to go back to Nigeria. Saved enough money. And he's planning to buy a piece of land and build his house. Okay. And then one day when he's having his Bible study, he looks at the Bible and reads John chapter 14, verse 1. In my father's house, I'm building something for you there. And then he realizes you can store up riches in heaven. And he realizes by, boy, restoring and building up there is by giving away here. Now, if he really starts dwelling on it and God starts opening him an entire spectrum in the entire word of God about people who lived like that, then suddenly how he handles riches over here will completely be different. Because you have set your affection on things above. So, I mean, let God speak to people. Each individual cases he will speak to. Because these are all individual, these things, not a broad spectrum antibiotic. <laughs> okay? These are individually God speak. You walk with God alone. Ultimately, you walk with God alone. Okay? And God speaks to different people differently. To Moses, to um, Noah, he said, save your family. Build an ark. To Enoch, he said, leave your family. Okay? To Ezekiel, he said, I'll take your wife tonight. To Jeremiah, you said, you don't even get married. So this is not a, you cannot brush with a, paint with a broad brush. You have to hear from God what he's telling you. General principles are all put over there in scripture, but to each one he will specify. So Paul says, I wish all of you were like me, but you need to have the gift for that. I got it. I asked it. I got it. I wish all of you like, if you all of it like me, then Jesus would, would have come long time ago. We wouldn't have been even born. If people were all like Paul. 
world would have been evangelized long time ago. Okay, so he says, set your affections above. Set your mind on things above and not on things on earth. It's an act. Every day you have to choose to do it. Your day begins with prayer, with worship, with the word. You constantly, when your mind is straying away, you have to bring it back to God. When you are in the office and being troubled over, your manager is shouting at you or screaming in the pressure, you still have to bring it back to God and say that, you know what, whatever I do, I have to do it unto you. I have to bring you glory. I am your servant. He's just put there by me. That's how Joseph worked and God was with him. How can you endure 13 years of slavery and imprisonment and come out better than before? Cheerful. No resentment, nothing in his heart, no envy, no jealousy, no hatred, nothing, clean as a whistle. How? Because his mind was on things above. He gave me two dreams and the dream said, one day I will reign and that's what I will believe. These are all temporary faces. I am destined to reign. And he has said the same thing to us too, more than what he told Joseph. We, if we overcome, will sit on thrones. Joseph won't. He's an old covenant believer. He won't. He won't even go to the new city. He will go to the new heaven. But we can go over there. Otherwise, we'll end up on earth. No, that's also there. Okay. <laughs> then we will have to look up at Joseph instead of Joseph looking up at us. But these are all pictures given over there. God has put us in an incredible race. And he says, put your mind on things above. Put your mind on things above. Okay. Instead, today's entire teaching is to keep your thing, mind on things below and name it and claim it and have it. <laughs> How they have changed the entire, entire gospel. As we close, Galatians chapter 5, 24 and 25. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with their passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also Walk in the, we looked at that long time ago, right? What does it mean to walk in the spirit? You know? Finally, Galatians 2.20. As a writer, I will say, remain humble constantly because God gives more grace. All this is possible only by grace. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live. There is a replacement life exchange that is taking place. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This man, this is not this man, this is Christ speaking through. So not point in exalting Paul to only thing he taught us how to live that life. This is Christ living through that man. I no longer I live. No, no longer I live. This is what God is talking about. Okay, one more verse before we close. Second Timothy chapter 2, 2021. 20, Sanctification and overcoming. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dinner. Great house. God's house is a great house. The whole world is his house. It's a great house. All kinds of vessels. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, what is that? sanctification. What will he become? A vessel for honor. He will be used by God. Sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. But you have to do it. But God will do it through you. So there is personal will because God will never mess with your free will because God gave it to you. That's why 
Paul will beseech, beg, I beseech you, brethren, in light of all this, offer your bodies. You have to make a choice. You have to make this choice. So if anyone cleanses himself, but what does he cleanse with? With the word, with the blood, with the spirit. The spirit brings the word, the word convicts you. You apply the blood and you receive mercy and you receive grace to overcome. Okay, but you have to do it. But the rest of it is all done by God. God will not mess with your free will. It's not like a mother bathing a baby. No. Doesn't work like that. If any man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. Vessel for honor. That's the key we have to look at that. He will be a vessel for honor. In a master's house, there are all kinds of vessels. Some for honor, some for dishonor. He says, Lot became a vessel of dishonor. Abraham became a vessel of honor. Both came, stepped into the promised land on the same day, same hour. Came from the same family. Both of them. Their grandfather was the same. Abraham's father and Lot's grandfather was the same. They came out of the same day they stepped across. But in the process, over, 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 Abraham was sanctified and sanctified and sanctified and sanctified and he birthed an Israel. Still stands today. And then out of Israel would come Christ. The church will stand in eternity glorious. Lord brought forth the Moab and an Ammon. So he one became an Abraham, a vessel of honor. Look to Abraham, the rock from which I hewed you. Remember Lord's wife. God uses both. One as a vessel of honor, other as a vessel of dishonor. So he will say in Romans, even Pharaoh, I raised up for my purpose. So we look at all these pictures. This is temporary, but this is there is something that is coming, which is eternity. We get these pictures, and we learn these principles, and we understand how the demonic works. Very, very careful. Understand how the demonic works. Do not take it lightly. Anything that even the thoughts that flit through your mind, don't take it lightly. Because he's the spirit of the air. And he's controlling the airwaves. Thoughts. That's why the Bible will say in Corinthians 10, bring every thought, every imagination to the captivity of Christ Jesus. And when your obedience is complete, then we are able to speak to you. It's a process. Once you know the way you have to take, then scripture says no. And that's that's how you will start seeing life completely differently. And the virus becomes another issue altogether for you. You rejoice, you grieve with the people who are dying, but you realize that this is the best vacation I ever got. Because I am able to get so much time with God. And God is using me at a time like this, like all of us, more than he ever used like if you look at 16, I've never known 16 except in those when I was with the underground church. Other than that, I have never known 16 days like this in my life. Underground church was a different story. It was like every month, every whole year, it was like seven days a week. But this was different. Okay, If you look in your recent history, my recent history, all your history, have anybody been used by God so much? No. Yeah? Okay. So it is awesome. It is awesome. What the devil meant for harm. For us it turned around for good. And a blessing for so many people. You have no clue how many people are getting blessed. It is not like what you see on your YouTube channel. No 
clue how many people are getting less. So did the virus work out good? Is a virus good? No, it is evil. But did God bring good out of evil? Yes. You have to always understand that part of God. Okay? Now we shall pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Yes, we are tired in the body, Lord. Because this body is anyway perishing. It will become dust one day. But Lord, we are excited in the inner man. Because we see your hand over our lives. We see, Lord. We see, we see, we see, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Once again, I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over all your children, all those who are hearing even now, wherever they are, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. Cover them, cover their homes, cover their households, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus over the church. And we command the spirit of sickness to go over. You will not touch the bodies of God's children. It has been set apart for a holy purpose. In the light of God's word, I pray all of them will surrender their bodies as a vessel of honor into their hands, O oh Lord. And no COVID-19 has any place in our bodies because our bodies belong to God and they are to be used for His service. I pray everyone in their homes will make that dedication, Lord. And I pray and I speak peace into every home and every life. Caleb, I speak peace into your life. If you are listening, I speak peace. Do not be disturbed, Caleb. I speak peace. Rest. You will finish your race. Stand up. Arise, Caleb. Speak peace into every home, every marriage, every family. I speak your peace, Lord. Let nobody's heart be troubled. Let them know God is with them and God is for them. And all those who have come out of the circle, I pray, Father, you will put a hedge around them, especially send forth your angels to guard them. No ritual will work tonight against your people who left. Every, there are so many of them, it will not work. Every ritual that will happen tonight Every occult that will done, every spell that is done, every demon that is being released, I cast you down in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Your demons will not even come out. Baphome, you will not even come out when they call. And all the others, I'm not calling you by name, but you already know who you are. You will not come out when they call. You will stay down. Like the servants of Baal, let them cut let them kill themselves. None of you will come out. You will stay down. Christ is the Lord. There is none besides him. Let Christ be enthroned in this land. Let Christ be enthroned in our lives. Let Christ be enthroned in the lives of all the people who have come out and entered into the camp of God. They are safe and secure in him. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. By faith, we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Once again, this Sunday evening, we want to proclaim with our lips, Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, Lord. 
For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.